Welcome to Blondie and the Brit, Writing, Publishing, and Beyond. You can find our show notes and more information about our podcast at blondieandbrit.com. That's B-L-O-N-D-I-E-A-N-D-B-R-I-T.com. Welcome to Blondie in the Brit podcast. I am Blondie, KJ Waters. And I'm Suzanne Cowman, I'm the Brit. And together we're Blondie in the Brit. Yay! Woohoo! I am the author of Stealing Time. And I'm the author of the Rejected Writers Book Club. This is the best of Blondie in the Brit episode. Thank you for joining us today. We have Dorinda Jones. She is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author, and she has written the Charlie Davidson series, the Darklight Trilogy, and she's published by St. Martin's Press. Welcome, Dorinda. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I met you at a lunch at Barnes & Noble before you had a book signing, and it just was so comfortable to talk to you, and I'm excited. We just had the kernel of the idea to do the podcast at that moment, and here now we are. It's so exciting to have you. Yes, thank you. That was fun. That was a good lunch. Yes, it was. When I was talking to you, you told me how you were discovered. And to me, it's kind of like every indie author's dream. You went from a mom at home with a few manuscripts, and then it turned into now you're like a national best-selling author. So can you tell us your story? You know, growing up, I had hundreds of stories and all this stuff. And it wasn't until high school that I actually figured out that I really wanted to be a writer. And that was thanks to my best friend. And, you know, she told me, she said, you just keep coming back to writing. Why don't you just try to be a writer? And I thought, well, writers are, you know, they're all either geniuses or alcoholics. And I'm neither. So I didn't think I could be. (laughs) You are not (laughs) for either. (laughs) (laughs) I said, no way I could be a writer, you know. But it's still, it just stuck with me over the years. And so I ended up, you know, I got married and had kids. and, And I ended up going to college and got my degree. And so I was working. After I graduated college, I decided that I was at least going to finish manuscript. If nothing else, I was going to at least finish a manuscript. And because I'd started literally hundreds, like it's not even funny. (laughs) And so I just sat down and it took me about four months to write it. And it was so fun that I, you know, immediately started another one. Then I started seriously looking into getting published. And basically, you know, I did the whole, I wrote every agent under the sun. I submitted everywhere. Not to houses. I knew better than to submit to houses, but I submitted to every agent that I could find and uh, got lots of rejections. And then it was really weird because I decided I was working on my third manuscript at the time and decided that I was just kind of piddling on it. I was stuck and I couldn't get anywhere. I decided to enter the RWA, Romance Writers of America, Golden Heart because to enter that, your manuscript has to be finished. Mm -hmm. So I thought, if nothing else, it'll force me to finish this manuscript. So I entered it and then I piddled some more. <laughs> like two weeks before the deadline, I'm just killing myself trying to finish it. So I wrote like the last two thirds in that two weeks. Wow. So you know how bad it had to be. And I just forgot about it. I mean, I sent it in and, and I just, I didn't think anything else about it. And I was at work and my husband texted me and said that you have a message. You finaled in some contest. So I was that I haven't entered any contest. I don't know what you're talking about. You forgot. It's the golden something or other. And I, I almost fell out of my chair because it's very, to final in this contest, even just a final, is very prestigious. And it was just an amazing day. And it was almost as good as the day I got the call, but it was just very cool. And so I knew I had to take advantage of this because suddenly agents are coming to me wanting to read my manuscript. And so the other way around, you know. Right. <laughs> so it's very cool. Yeah, it's amazing. And 
I polished it, sent it out to agents, and within one week, I had eight offers of representation. So that was very overwhelming. It was a very stressful week, believe it or not. Wow, I bet. They're, you know, they're calling day and night, and, you know, they call it a beauty contest, by the way. And this one agent said, well, I've never lost a beauty contest. I said, well, <laughs> you're about to lose this one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm very honored. Don't get me wrong. I'm so grateful to all of these vets. There were a couple of crazy ones, but the rest of them, they were just absolutely fantastic. And I had the hardest time deciding. So anyway, I finally, I chose my amazing agent and I, oh, she's amazing. I just love her to death. Alexander Machinist. And so we went, we actually met at the RWA national conference and that is where the awards are given out. And I ended up winning Golden Heart. So mm-hmm. that's even more prestigious. And she wrote me and she said, I'm having all these people wanting to read your book. You know, we were going to wait till September because August in the publishing world is vacation month, you know, (laughs) everybody goes on vacation, all editors and everybody. And so we're going to wait till September. And she said, I have too many people wanting to see it. So I'm going to send it out. And about a week later, we had our first offer and it was a really good offer. (laughs) And we had three houses who were bidding on it, who wanted it. And so it was very cool. And we finally, we accepted a preempt from Jennifer Endler at St. Martin's Press. And I have just been thrilled with all of my decisions so far. Mm -hmm. They're just the best, the best decisions. Alexander's amazing. Jennifer's amazing. And I'm just so, I'm so fortunate. It's insane. I don't know why this happened to me, but it's, (laughs) it's very much a dream come true. (laughs) Well, and it really is. I mean, it's really exciting. I actually, I actually love the fact that you were on your third manuscript. So it was like you had total faith that at some point something was going to sell. Dorinda, um, how did you make the choice about which agent that you actually, that you went with eventually? Was was there something particular that stood out for that agency? It was. Well, it was actually, it was Alexandra herself. Whenever we spoke on the phone, like I said, a couple of them were pretty crazy, but for the most part, they were so fantastic. It was honest about the hardest decision I've ever made, ever. And Alexandra just really, like her vision of the book, her vision of my career, I mean, everything just clicked. I mean, it was just right there. We were just on the same page. And she was extremely professional and just, I don't know, it just it just clicked. And she was actually the last one to offer. The first phone call, I just, I wanted her. And I, I said, I just really want to go with you. And I don't know what to tell everybody else because I felt bad. You know, suddenly I'm having to reject that. I felt yeah. so bad. There were so many amazing, amazing agents. And I'm, I'm just very, very fortunate, very lucky. <laughs> Yes, you are. Sounds like it's a mixture of luck and just being in the right place at the right time to be in the contest and have people appreciate your work. I mean, I love it. It is. Part of it is a great crapshoot. Yeah. Whole business. It's amazing. Yeah. It's based on a lot, quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. But, you know, you you can't just turn in a crappy manuscript and, and have luck turn it around for you. You have to have skill. But there's plenty of people out there that are really skilled that just things didn't fall into place. So it sounds like things just settled perfectly for you. And I'm extremely happy about that. You're now into your eighth book in the Charlie Davidson series. I started reading the first one and I love the concept. It is so cool with the main character as a Grim Reaper and a private investigator. Can you give our listeners a little bit more about the series, just kind of like the synopsis? Sure. Right. Like you said, it's about a female private investigator who was born the Grim Reaper. So in every book, she solves a mystery, at least one mystery for a living person and one for a dead person. She, what she solves, their mystery and finishes there helps them kind of come to closure and they can cross and all that stuff so it's that basic formula and she has a love interest 
who is also a supernatural entity. I won't go into that because <laughs> it's a huge spoiler, but... <laughs> it, but it's very hot and steamy, I can tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are very, they're very sexy books. So I don't know, like, not everybody's done that, so... But they're mostly, I'm actually shopped under mystery, which surprised me. Yeah. So I'm writing the third book, and I, I turn in the third book, and my editor, she calls me, which she never calls me. And so I knew something was wrong. And she said, you know, Drina, she said, we're going along, and it's the guy, there's the bad guy, and it's the guy, and, and we're going along, and it's still the guy, and we get to the end, and, and it's the guy. She said, you can't do that with a mystery. You can't, it can't be the guy. And I'm like, wait, I write mystery? I had no idea. <laughs> Thanks for telling me. I didn't even know. That's hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, there's a certain formula you need to follow. You have to have, you know, the red herring and the various other things, right? So you had to kind of change it to fit the genre you were supposedly writing. Yes. You actually incorporate humor really well in your books. I read some of your work and it's really funny. And it's, I mean, it's, I mean, the fact is it's paranormal. Is that an easy feat for you, like adding humor? Or is that just part of who you are as a person and you kind of add that in? Well, you know, at first, I actually didn't know how much humor I wrote until people started telling me that I write funny. And I was like, really? I didn't even know that. And so I've actually tried to write without humor and found it impossible. No, it does. It comes naturally for the most part. I will tell you with the first book, I kind of struggled with it because I didn't know how much was too much and, you know, do I need to pull back here a little bit? But now, ever since the second book and on, I just turned in the ninth book, actually. And so it, it just flows out of me. I channel Charlie. I'm not that funny in person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're like, no, you have to be funny because Charlie is not really not. <laughs> That is cool. And that leads me to my next question. I have a couple friends who are rabid fans of you. They've met you at some book signings. They've, you know, they read every single book. The second it comes out, they're like in line to get it. And they want to know that where do you get your inspiration for your characters? Like Charlie, and then there's Cookie, who's her assistant. Are they actual based on people that you know? And they're such deep, rich characters, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. I do. I, it's kind of a combination of things. With Charlie, Charlie was very unique in that after I finished, I had written a complete YA, which is the Dark White trilogy. I'd written the first book of that one, and I never thought it would sell, so I kind of put it aside. I didn't really even try to get an agent or anything with it, but I wanted to write an adult, something adult, something paranormal, and I couldn't come up with, I wanted a very specific heroine, and I, I just, I thought and thought, and I couldn't come up with anything, and then I was laying in bed one morning, and honestly, Charlie just popped into my head. Just looking back, I would say that I was influenced. Like if I had to think of who influenced me, it was she's to me. She's a little bit of Buffy. <laughs> she's a little bit of Stephanie Plum. Janet Van is Stephanie Plum, right. and very much she's very much to me Lorelai Gilmore from the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> oh, that's a very interesting <laughs> combination. Love yeah, she's very sarcastic and very you know. So she came about in a very different way. The other characters, I don't know. They just kind of kind of evolve. Cookie is actually based very much on a friend of mine named Cookie, who I lost contact with a long time ago. Interesting. But I just adore her. I just, I adore this woman. And so I named her Cookie and all this stuff. And she slowly evolved into Suki from the Gilmore Girls. (laughs) 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 Is that your favorite Uh, show? I don't know. I feel really bad. I feel like I should 
give them royalties or something. No. <laughs> well, they were inspired by someone else, so would they have to pay them as well? So wait, like, when you said Charlie just appeared to you one day when you woke up, did you have the concept for the novel and then you're just trying to figure out what kind of heroine, what kind of person she would be? Or was it like the whole package just kind of showed up in your lap one morning? The whole package just showed up. I didn't even know what I wanted to write about. And actually, she showed up just Charlie in a whole cloth of glory, and she's kind of classy and humorous, and she didn't take anything very seriously. One of the things that I wanted was I wanted to veer very far away from the, oh, I have this supernatural ability, and it sucks because my life sucks because of it. You know, I didn't want a whiny character. Oh, for the love of God, no whiny characters. And so I just wanted her, she is, she is the grooming work. She has to help these people. It's just in her. It's it's who she is. She doesn't complain about it very much every once in a while, but it just is who she is. And then, and then I came up with, what's her day job? What is she doing with her life? You know, that kind of thing. And that actually took me a long time because I actually, I didn't want to make her a private investigator for the longest time. But then I thought, well, how is she going to get involved in all these crimes? You know? Yeah. And, yeah. And I really needed a way. I, I really needed that bridge to get her into these horrible situations that she gets herself into. <laughs> so that's what I did. She, so I made her both because I was deciding between a consultant for the police department and, you know, a, a private investigator. I thought, well, I should make her both. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it really works. I mean, you've got so many different layers. She's got her uncle that is on the police force and kind of pulls her into these things. She's got, you know, they think it's a psychic ability or something along those lines. But it, it's really this whole Grim Reaper thing. And her dad is a different element where he doesn't buy into any of that stuff. So it's I love how you set it all up. And the fact that it's it's paranormal. It's sexy and it's funny. It's a great combination. It's quite entertaining. I've really enjoyed every bit of it. And I, I think I'm now hooked. I'm trying to write my own books and now I'm stuck on yours. So <laughs> it's your fault if I don't get my book done. I'm blaming okay. you. <laughs> Thank you. I've been blamed for worse. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> Did it start out as a series or as a first book and become a series and if it was going to be a series how did you tackle the art did you architect it all the way through the series or does each book kind of stand alone well every book in a series has to stand alone so that's kind of a given but in my head the minute I thought of it I just think in series I think in long term I don't know why and so it was very much a series when I started it I did have a very clear definition where it was going to go the arc and the last book. I knew what I wanted to happen in the last book. And I still pretty much want that to happen. But as the series has progressed, the arcs have kind of changed and shifted. And I've added more and more, you know, characters and more obviously conflict and all that. And so it's changed a little bit, but it's only gotten richer. You know, the world has gotten richer, the world has grown, and every book is a little bit of a surprise. And I just, I love it. I have ideas. I could write hundred bucks. <laughs> I have no shortage of ideas. That's never been a problem for me. <laughs> well, that's good. And I hope you do write a hundred books. <laughs> you're you're well on your way. How many do you have right now? You've got the, the three different series. How many do you have in each of those? And, and I think you're working on a few other things too, aren't you? Yes, I am. So I've got... I just turned in ninth, and I'm working on a novella for the Charles series. That that's going to come out in October, and the ninth comes out in January. And I've sold through eleven in that series. The Dark Light trilogy. Growing up, usually I almost always wrote young adults, so that's just always has been what I've written. And the first in the Dark Light series sold after Charlie sold, which surprised me. I didn't think it was going to. And so then I had to finish that. It was just a trilogy. And right now, I am working on two different series that my agent really wants to see. 
one is young adult, but it's historical, set in 1730s New Orleans. Oh, yeah. And then one is actually historical fiction. <laughs> now, I will say that almost everything I read, when I, once I discovered my love of reading, I read almost either historical romance or horror. I loved the two. Oh, interesting. So now I'm kind of combining them. <laughs> That's really cool. It's a good combination, though. I mean, you yeah. think about the vampire series, a lot of those are all back in time like that. You know, the Frankenstein, you know, the classics are all set back Absolutely. in a different time. Absolutely. Fun. I know that when you and I were talking, you were talking about possibly doing a series under your own name as in India, not with a publisher. Is that one of these series those that you're talking about, or is this something else in addition? Well, this to is it? something completely different. It started out as a young adult paranormal series, and basically, they're shorter length. I'm hoping that they'll only be between 25 and 50,000 words. I don't know if I can write. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to write that short. It is. <laughs> I'm the same way. I write uh, longer books. Yeah. And it's a different yeah, mindset because you've got to wrap it all up so quickly. Exactly. And and the thing is, in my mind, it was kind of like goosebumps for teen girls. I will say it's kind of evolved. So it's more new adult now. They're a little bit older. The stories that I've laid out so far. And yeah, I'm hoping I can keep them. <laughs> Under 50,000. But yeah, I, want, I would love to write those. And the thing is, the reason why I said I want to indie pub them is I, I just I don't think they'll sell. Right now, Young Adult Paranormal is just not selling at all. So I thought, well, hmm. you know what? I'll just put it out myself and see how it does and yeah. go from there. <laughs> yeah, well, what do you have to lose, really? And if, if it does really well, then someone may pick it up and. Oh, that's really interesting. I love how you're, you know, you're going to test out the waters in indie after being so successful with the, you know, the published world. It's very inspiring. Yes, yes. I'm very curious about it. I, I just, I have so many friends who are indie authors and they're just doing fantastic. So I'm really excited for them. I, I'd love to just kind of dip my toes and see how it goes. Why not? Yeah. How much flexibility do you get, Dorinda? Now you, because you are already a published author, with your own series, is there any kind of, you know, any sort of drawbacks from already being published to go in indie? I don't think so. I actually think it's a fantastic stepping stone because I already have my base audience. You know, I have people who just love the books and love anything I write, and God bless them. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I think that they will stick with me no matter what, unless I put out, you know, Crap. I try not to put out crap. Yeah, well, that's rude. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. It's probably not in you to put out crap, which is why you won the contest to start with. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I, I'm not expecting that from you. So, Dorinda, your marketing plan, if you go with this indie series, is pretty much the same. You've got, you can still use your Twitter, your Facebook that you have under Dorinda Jones, right? You don't have those aren't owned by your publisher or have any restrictions. Is that right? Absolutely. Ah, so yeah. you're set. I think you're in a really good position to launch whatever you want. You've got your fan base people enjoy your reading you may increase out into you know like a little bit different market like you said new adult yeah. what is new adult how do you define new adult i'm not familiar with that age group yeah i mean it's basically it's very new some people absolutely hate the term but you know what it's sticking so far and it's basically 19 to 25 year old protagonists and right now new adult is really hot in contemporary in contemporary romance we will see how my throwing paranormal in there, how it does. It may absolutely sink, but, you know, huge writers, Colleen Hoover is one. who are just, like, taking over the world with uh, new adults, so it's doing really well. So new a new venture 
for you in the indie world and into this new market. So good luck with that. I hope that goes really well for you. Thank you. And definitely let us know if there's anything we can do to help. Suzanne and I are both indie authors, so if you have, I can't imagine what we could answer for you. But if if we can help you, just let us know. Thank <laughs> 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 you're like a writing machine. I mean, I'm just listening to all these books that you're doing. So you actually had to run from Starbucks, I know, for the interview this morning. So do you have a set writing practice? Is, is Starbucks that way you should, that you spend time writing? Well, normally, no. And the reason is because I'm from a small town in New Mexico, and we don't have Starbucks. <laughs> We're one of the few <laughs> in the entire United States with no Starbucks. So sad. <laughs> and I didn't really have anywhere. So I just wrote in my office for years and years. But we just moved back to Albuquerque, and there are Starbucks everywhere. So (laughs) I read a lot of craft books still to this day. I absolutely love them. And I've been reading one on fast drafting and, you know, how to get the most out of your writing time. And one of the things that I've been reading a lot from from different writers, actually, is that you need a place where you only write. You know, you don't surf the internet. You don't shop online. You know, you need a place where you go off and only write there. And it trains your brain to, okay, when I'm in that place, I'm writing, period. I'm not doing anything else. So I just thought, that's so fascinating. Now that I'm here in Albuquerque, I can go to Starbucks or go to Flying Star or wherever and just write. And so this morning was my first go at it. Oh, really? And it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. You know, you put your earphones in and listen to instrumental music. I can't listen to words or I can sing along with them and typing them. But (laughs) and that's very counterproductive. (laughs) So, yes, I was there for probably a couple of hours and I got a little over 2,500 words. So that's a pretty good writing day. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, well done. I found that if I have been successful writing in a place, like I go to Starbucks too, and it isn't any Starbucks, there's two that I can go to. And one of them I do really well at. And the other one is just I'm distracted the whole time because it's new. I haven't tried it very much. When I'm at home, it's like I've got laundry. I've got kids. I've got, like you said, surfing the internet. As soon as I get on, I see all the windows that I had open the last time. And it's like, oh, Goodreads and Facebook and Twitter, you know, but when I go to Starbucks, I don't even connect to the internet. And I hope it goes well for you if that was your first time. I think that sounds like it's set up for, you know, maybe you'll start writing Starbucks into your (laughs) books, you know? True. Okay. Yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. You're not as distracted. You're not, you know, and my thing was, I, I was always distracted by the people, by the conversations. And this friend of mine who writes in Starbucks, she said, yeah, you have to have some kind of music in the background. Otherwise, everything you hear is going to completely distract you. So I'm so easily distracted anyway. I love shiny things. So, you know, it was just absolutely perfect. It was very cool. Well, that's good. Yeah, I don't use earphones when I'm at Starbucks. And sometimes I have a very loud, annoying person nearby that I just kind of look at, try to give them the stink eye, and they just don't shut yeah. up because they don't pay attention to me. Yeah, I love soundtracks and Last Mohicans and Pirates of the Caribbean. The soundtracks are perfect. Oh. Perfect. Yeah, they're like <laughs> adventurous oh, kind of things. I, I love Pirates of the Soundtracks. I should try for those. So what was it? Probably my favorite. Okay. Harry Potter. I love them all. <laughs> Uh, One of the things that we cover on this podcast is different strategies that authors have for social media marketing. So I know you have this machine behind you that's part of your publishers and you have an assistant and all these other things. Tell us the strategies that you find the most effective for selling books. You know what? 
for me, I try, I mean, I, I let people know when things are coming out and I talk about them and we give excerpts and that kind of thing. But for me, the interaction with my readers is really important. They love it. Once it's almost like you're friends with them, you know, and they're so loyal. They'll come back to me every time and they're just so great. And so we have found, and again, I do, I have two incredible assistants. My social media manager is Dana and she is almost everything on Facebook is her. Almost everything. Almost everything on Twitter is her. Instagram. She does Instagram. She just makes like, she makes these memes with really funny sayings, sayings that you've heard and maybe you've heard before or stuff that we've made up and puts my name on it. I mean, she's incredible. She keeps that interaction and she keeps that interest going constantly. I mean, it's every day for her, every day. Publisher is fantastic. They do a huge push when the books are coming out. But for daily interaction, can I mean, you can even like work up 30 little things, 30 little posts to do and schedule them ahead of time, like in Hootsuite or Woobox or whatever. And you schedule them ahead of time and then you don't even have to worry about it. And they just go up and she'll probably put stuff up maybe two or three times a day every single day. And it's fun stuff. You know, it's about writing or your dogs or it can be anything. She always has like, she knows what the day is. Yesterday was humanitarian day. And so we did a bunch of stuff for that and she's just incredible. And so I would say just, it's just that interaction and just being grateful for the readers you have and showing them that you are grateful and not, I don't know. I get so many emails from people saying, oh my God, I can't believe you answered me. Nobody's ever answered me. And I'm like, really? No author has ever answered you? What are we like, the Pope or something? I don't know. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know. I answer all my emails, but I don't know. That would be me. I, my strong thing is Facebook. It's my favorite, but thank God for yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that. They do the, the Twitter and the Instagram and all that. I follow you on Facebook and on Facebook you can see as they come up and it's always has Dorinda Jones at the bottom which and it has a very distinctive style so as soon as you look at it you recognize it but they're very smart and I mean I think it gives you some good ideas so people out there follow Dorinda Jones on Facebook and we'll put up the links on our show notes so that you can link to all her various things but she does have some really good ideas now in terms of actually selling books do you have any stats that show you know which of these interactions end up giving you the most sales or is it more just you enjoy connecting with people and being part of you know the fandom that has gathered around you yeah Dana is is just a statistics hound like she's so on top of that not as far as sales that go it's hard to in my personal opinion, it's hard to link anything with sales. Yeah. But I will say we know what brings the most interaction and that kind of thing. And that's what we live for. You know, how much, how many times have people clicked on this or liked it or whatever? Because then it's just spread even further. How many times have people shared this? And so we're constantly trying to figure out what they like. And it's so funny because like we'll put something up and we're like, oh, they're going to love this. And like, you know, 200 people will like it. And then I'll put something random. Uh, and over a thousand people like it. It's just weird and they share it everywhere. That's what we try to do. We just we try to get people to share stuff and to like it and so that the brand kind of gets out there even farther, you right, know. Right. So you're using their reach to increase your reach, right? Is there anything else that you would like us to ask you, Dorinda, or think something that you want to I did think of something actually. You know, November is NanoRimo, National Novel Writing Month, and I just got asked to be on the board of NanoRimo, so that was very exciting for me. Wow. So I try to kind of promote that everywhere I go to because I love Nano. <laughs> I do Nano every year. I've only won like once, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Maybe there's some people that don't know what it is. So since you're on the board, give it a plug and let's Absolutely. educate. So NanoRimo is every year in November, from November first to the 
very last possible second of the last day, <laughs> you can keep writing. You try to write 50,000 words in that month. And it comes out to like 1,600 something words a day or something. And if you write 50,000 words in that month, then you win. That's how you win. And you don't win anything, <laughs> but you do win the privilege of saying, I won, you know, and, and you can have, you can have a little banner and, or the little sticker on your website or whatever. And it's just, it, it's a huge challenge. A lot of cities have write-ins where people who are nanoing, they go all sit together and they do writing sprints for like 20 minutes at a time or whatever. And it's just really fun. I absolutely love it. I fast draft all of my novels, almost all of them, you know, made for me. I absolutely love it. And it's just fun. And, and there's also, they have like the message boards and you can email and you can follow people and it's almost like a little social networking cycles in its own. I actually do it every year, Dorinda. I love NaNoWriMo. I've been doing it for the last four years. And my favorite part about it is actually the community that you feel with the other writers. I mean, everybody's doing it. It's all over Twitter. It's all over Facebook. And you just feel like you're this, you know, all these writers and we're all struggling with the same thing. That's what I love about it is the feeling of community. So I wrote my first book that way that got published last year. And I have another three that I've written that way. And I love it. I really love the process. Oh, me too. The community is great. Congratulations on your publishing your book. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love the camaraderie of it all. It's just fun. Where are the links that people can go connect to it? Oh, yes, yes. They have a website. I want to say it's just nanowimo.org, but I could be wrong. Oh, I can't believe it. I'm on the board. And I don't know. <laughs> That's all right. We will we'll put it in our show notes and give everyone the direct link to any of the ones. They probably are on Facebook and Twitter and everything else, but to go to the website where they can get more information about it. You've inspired me. I've heard about it every year, and I know what it is, and I know that I should be doing it, but what I end up doing is saying, oh, my God, I have Christmas shopping. I've had to send packages to family, blah, blah, blah. So I get caught up. It's like just before Christmas. But you know what? I have, I'm have. i working on my second book and I, I've got to get it done. So maybe I need to just step right up and jump into the nano pool and <laughs> enjoy my 1600 yeah, words a day. <laughs> I need it. So maybe this is what I need to light a little fire. It's a great concept. Absolutely. It's it really, so fun. Yeah. Well, excellent. I hope everyone out there who's listening gives it a look and we'll sign up. And then since you're on the board, are you going to be on some of the communities and giving people advice or cheering them on or anything along those lines? Yes. In fact, I have a phone call set up with the coordinator. I don't know what his title is. With Grant Faulkner. He's like the the main guy of it now. And I have a phone call with him later today. And he's going to actually let me know everything that I'm going to be doing. I'm very excited. Well, good. If there's other things, like I said, we're putting together the show notes. If there's other things that you, you know, if you're a certain time you're going to be on or whatever it would be, let us know. We'll put that up there so people can, to be inspired by you directly would be really cool as they're trying to, you know, complete this goal. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah. Yeah, let us know. Okay, so Suzanne, are you ready to explain the lightning round? And Yes, absolutely. So with every author, Dorinda, we do what we call the lightning round, which is just we're going to ask you really short, easy questions so you can they're not you don't have to think too much about them. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so whatever comes to your mind, whatever you think, okay. okay. it's the first, it's really hard. Tea or coffee? <laughs> coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Writing silence or music? Believe it or not, normally silence. But when I'm at Starbucks, music. Music. <laughs> well, that's good to know. What did you want to be growing up? A fighter pilot. Get out. <laughs> Is it a book you would read every year? Lover Awakened by J.R. Ward. Oh, that's a good one. I've heard of that one. I have to look that one up. Okay, dog or cat? Dogs. What author would you most like to have 
dinner with, dead or alive? Oh gosh, probably Jane Austen. Oh, me too. Favorite vacation spot? Mountains. Anywhere. Washington State. Yay, that's where I live. Yes. Come see me up here. Okay. <laughs> You should go visit Suzanne. She has a guest house. <laughs> I have a guest house. You come right here. It's really cold. I'm there. You get sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's all ready. I've got it all. All the beds are ready to go. Favorite book genre to read? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Right now, paranormal. Do you write best in the morning or at night? Morning. Okay. All night, quite often. But if I can get up and write, I just write better in the morning. I do. Yeah. Your brain for like mine too. If money was no object, where would you live? Washington State. Hey, come on down. Wow, that is so funny. Why though? Why Washington State? I'm in love. I'm in love with it. I finally got to go because I've been just all over and the United States. I have never been out of the United States. I know that's crazy. Really? But my sister, my brother, and I finally got to go last year in September, and we spent a week there, and it was like heaven. Oh my God, it was just. I just wanted. I wanted to move there so bad. I will say I kind of don't want to leave New Mexico because I love New Mexico so much. But my second choice would be Washington State. <laughs> so you know what? You could be a snowbird. You could be there for the winters because the winters aren't great here and be here for our summers. Yes, absolutely. That's my dream. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Favorite comfort food? Oh, gosh. Mexican. Anything Mexican. I love <laughs> yeah. Do you have a nickname? Well, my mom called me Ren, so... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a lot of people call me Dindy. That's, I don't know. I think that's about it. <laughs> okay. Last question. Beach or mountain? Mountains. Yay. You did well. Yeah. You relax. <laughs> Good answers. And this has been a lot of fun. I'm, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I think a lot of people are going to be really interested in what you have to say. I mean, there's a lot of questions for writers in general. And then, of course, your fans, I think, will also be excited to hear what you have to say. So we appreciate Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. You've been really great. You've answered so many of my questions. It's been really an interesting interview. Thank you. Please join us on Blondie and the Brit, where we interview Susan Wingate. She's an Amazon bestselling author. You can find our show notes and more information about our podcast at blondieandbrit.com. That's B-L-O-N-D-I-E-A-N-D-B-R-I-T.com.